Well met. This has been Brode, and you're watching Born to be Cosmo. <laughs> oh, snap. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Born to be Cosmo, the podcast where we talk about all things Marvel Snap twice a month on our regularly scheduled date and time, Saturday for once. Um, so that's really awesome. And uh, I think this is a really good time to have a little chat about our favorite game. Uh, we've just had a pretty um, significant, at least in size, number of cards changed, OTA update, clientless update, where balance changes are often um, targeted, like odd lame duck period, but I think there's a lot to talk about. And here to discuss this with me are two of my favorite people, Nate Wolf and Zombies Go Nom Nom. Welcome, guys. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Hey. I'm excited to talk some snap. We got some cool stuff. Yeah, we do. It's a, it's a big week, so, well... With the, between the changes and then all the new stuff coming out. So, yeah, great time. So prior to Thursday, um, through the engagement that Snap does on their official Discord, some hints about what would be included in the OTA update were dropped. Notably, it was suggested that a fairly significant change would be made to destroy because the power level of that deck was too high post-blob nerf. And then we got the OTA and... <laughs> we were looking for that nerf, which got leaked, allegedly, on the website for like two seconds. But I guess for reasons that have not yet been made clear to us, um, the Venom change, which there was no Venom change, um, didn't come. Also, yeah. uh, there was a, an expected Elsa buff for the Elsa enjoyers out there, such as myself, that uh, were disappointed to see that uh, there was no Elsa update uh in the ota and would likely come in a later update potentially maybe the the not the next patch because it's locked for a while but uh the next ota um yeah so it was a bit of a bit of a head scratcher um but uh why don't we just get into it we could just quickly go through uh our thoughts on the changes and then maybe talk a little bit about the post ota meta yeah yeah all right, sounds good. Well, I'm just going to go through them in order here, and thank you to SnapZone for the graphic that we uh, borrowed. So first up is Luke Cage. Yeah, so Luke Cage went from a 2-3, uh, you know, could only affect one lane. Uh, cards uh, cannot have their power reduced, and it was changed to a 3-4, and uh, its global effect has been restored. I'm not so... surprised at all. It was only a matter of time, I think, because... They could, he was bad. <laughs> well, he was terrible, and I'm sure they really looked at bad. their internal metrics and just saw the play rate like plummet. I mean, as they soon said as... he was bad in Cerebro three. <laughs> that, that's how <laughs> oh, you know wow. something's really when when I I mean Cerebro three players I think are their feathers were ruffled a little bit still losing him, but uh, according to what they said in the notes, they said he was even underperforming in Cerebro three, and that's how you know this card was really sent out to pasture. Um, and now, well. Global effect is back. He's a bigger body. They said they don't like global effects on those two drops. So I think this didn't really surprise anyone. I've seen a little bit more Luke Cage, mainly people testing out. Uh, what's it? Uh, what's her name? Uh, hazmat. Yeah. Hazmat. Yeah. I couldn't mm -hmm. think of it. Hazmat decks. Uh, you know, and some people have done kind of all right with it. It's kind of cute. I, I like this because I'm a man thing enjoyer and 
uh, Luke Cage having to go in the man thing lane to like work was really not great. So uh, I kind of like this. I've also seen a few high evos playing it, I guess is like mirror tech, but uh, nothing, nothing too crazy here. It's not like you're going to just jam Luke Cage into a bunch of decks because mainly the, when he was really popular, Shadow King and Scalers were really popular and uh, that's not really the case anymore. Uh, Shadow King's still little common, but not nearly as much anymore. And Scalers, not at all. Uh, scalers have been just kind of wiped off the face of the, the planet. So you don't really need Luke Cage as much to protect against Scalers. It feels like it's more high Evo anti-tech right now. Kind yeah. of. So when I saw this change, I thought, okay, whatever. But going from a two to a three is notable. And I wonder if Elsa will go through a similar metamorphosis to get uh, their global ability restored. Um, so I guess we'll find out soon enough. It's a lot harder to, to, to play a three drop than a two drop for a lot of different reasons. But, um, you know, especially with I, Elsa, Elsa, like one of Elsa's biggest strengths is like buffing up Kitty, right? So having yeah. that one more energy to weave in a Kitty is pretty important. I did wonder, though, do you think if Elsa was a 3-4, let's say, 3-3, three, 3-4, three, three, whatever, with her original effect, so mm. all lanes plus three, would she be balanced, broken, or like not even that good? I, I'm not really sure, uh, but I think that could be potentially interesting, though I do kind of hope they keep her a two-drop and just give multi-lane functionality back, because uh, I think the idea that you can't have any two-drops affect all lanes is silly, I I, th I get it for like defensive tech like Luke Cage, but Elsa wasn't really doing very much. Like it requires so much investment to get into filling three lanes that yeah. Uh, it it was nice. There was a little payoff. The payoff wasn't even that good when it was only plus two. So I I don't know what they do with the card, but I, I'm not even sure if OG Elsa as a three drop would be busted or not. Well, the fact that we're talking about Elsa whilst Luke Cage is on the screen <laughs> is probably uh, our mm -hmm. our collective uh, thoughts on on that. Uh, I have seen more Luke Cage played, um, and uh, I, I, I imagine that uh, we'll continue to see it uh, as as a tech choice uh, if Evo gets popular. People just like running things like Luke Cage because they've had a bad experience against it. So you, you'll see a, a maybe a disproportionate amount of of a card like Luke Cage if if certain strategies get popular. But I don't I don't know. I think it's I feel like this is a change for the sake of changing things again. Like Luke Cage was maybe a little strong as a two drop, but you know the the, the fact that the cards are constantly changing. I find it a bit jarring. You know, it's like there are some clear balance outliers that I'm really happy to see get modified you know, relatively quickly uh, compared to what we had, say, a year ago. Um, but the change for the sake of change, um, I, I think that a lot of people like that. But, you know, I, I don't know. I think it's maybe uh, gotten a bit much for, for my taste um, over the last couple of months, the, the rate with which cards change. So I agree. we'll see how long this change sticks for and, and you know. Yeah. It's it's difficult sometimes for me to like I've had to scale back to playing a little bit more casually just over the past week and I sometimes like I can't remember how much the cards cost anymore because they change and like mm -hmm. 
catches you off guard, right? It does. It does. And even the like the stupid Shang-Chi change like messed me up for a couple of weeks. Yeah, I think that got everybody at some point, like going to use Shang on a nine and it doesn't work. And yeah, yep. and I especially, you know, that's got to be I wonder how that feels as a more casual player, because we're all pretty involved, right? Like keep up, we keep up with the game. But imagine someone who, you know, doesn't really pay attention to that stuff very much. Yeah, you get the little pop up, but I, I feel like it definitely has to like take you by surprise and also goes back to the whole thing where I, I think it like contrasts with uh, the feeling of wanting to get invested in particular cards when you don't know. The only thing you the only thing that's certain is uncertainty if your card will stay the same or not, because, uh, yeah, it just it even like non meta cards. We're seeing uh, a bunch of non meta cards in this update get changed, kind of some in the hope of making them better and others pretty much just to experiment with a different stat line, which I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to do if you don't have another change lined up, but it it is a bit of a feels bad for the folks who I, there are people out there who liked these original cards, even if they were never the, the star of the show. Uh, so it's 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 a little bit sad for those folks. They do this like change for the sake of change. And I, I'm not a big fan of that. Like, I mean, I know there's a handful of cards that just don't see play cough 2099 <laughs> cough. But like <clears throat> it, um, it, it it is a little bit jarring as well when. I think the idea is like, hey, I'm going to get this card or maybe I'm not going to get this card based on whether it's going to change later. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, you kind of have to do that now. Right. Like uh, that's kind of what I've started recommending people is like it's so hard to predict things. You can't really be like, oh, this card's really OP. You should buy it because if it's really, really OP, it's probably going to get nerfed and you don't know how heavy that nerf is going to be. Or if a card's underpowered, I think this is the more relevant one. Uh, it used to be, well, you would just tell people not to buy it and wait for it to drop in series or wait for it to show up again. Uh, and now they've been more regularly buffing them, which is good. But as we've talked about before, it clashes with the spotlight system a bit where it's like it sucks if you pass on Hercules and then he becomes a four seven, even though he's still not very good. Right. Uh, but it's like it, it gives you a little bit of like, oh, maybe I would have liked him as a four seven. It's I wish we could line up those things but i don't think that's ever really going to happen because they need the data to actually do whatever adjustments they do yeah gladiator is a good example of where this impacted my experience um directly right gladiator released as a three seven um you know it was a pretty safe pass and um you know then gladiator got buffed to a three eight but in conjunction with that started to see play in a lot of decks as a staple and i you know i wanted to play those decks i wanted to play with the card i had to spend six thousand tokens but i knew it was coming back in february so the the more economic choice would be to wait and so i'm waiting and i'm constantly having to like find a substitution or 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 you know just not play a deck as a result of that. So that lack of agency, you know, it it, it, it can be a bit uh, difficult at times, and it's been it's been a little frustrating. And and I, I think that as you have um, as you're less uh, invested financially in the game, that that gap, that delta of cards that you get and cards you pass will be you know a greater number, and you will experience that. Uh, <laughs> that fear of missing out more acutely and you know that's 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 kind of the whole model fear of missing out uh just it kind of sucks 
uh, when you miss out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, let's talk about this like massive uh, destroy. Dis- <laughs> yeah. <buffer. laughs> the next change was was uh, described as the uh, change to balance destroy to, to bring down the power level a little bit. And uh, you know, we were speculating what that card would be. No one guessed Hulkbuster going from mm-hmm. a three five to a two three. Uh, initial reaction to this change was, huh? And uh, that this actually may make the card better in the deck, not worse. I don't know if that's true. I'm not really, I, I don't play much destroy, but I do think Hulkbuster in general as a 2 3 is a lot more interesting as a card in a vacuum than a 3 5. Um, and I, I don't know. I did my infinite conquest uh, run a couple of couple days ago, and I was matched against a destroy. And they were running two three Hulkbuster, and the deck deck seemed like it was doing what it always did, um, brushing the change off. Have you guys played uh, any destroy with Hulkbuster since the change? I've seen it. Um, I've seen people play it, and it's funny because. We we all talked about the like, oh, you can now go Deadpool into Hulkbuster on two. I think I've only ever seen that happen one time so far. It hasn't happened much. I have seen more often they'll get the Hulkbuster late and then they'll try and pair it on Deadpool in a lane where there's something already there and then it backfires. Uh-huh. Uh, so that's been kind of funny. Weirdly enough, I have seen like notably less destroy after this change, which I'm very surprised about because obviously this doesn't feel like a big nerf to destroy if one at all um but i feel like i've seen less destroy even though most of the destroys i was seeing didn't have hulkbuster to begin with but according to their stats that was the best version across you know the larger player base so uh kind of interesting i did see a few disgruntled move players though because this made move like the the basic move deck a lot worse apparently uh like i thought it might be okay but Losing those two extra points on your multiple men is really big. It now goes to a two six instead of a two eight uh, for moving it around, and uh, yeah, it's a, a shame. Uh, I kind of feel bad for the move people because that deck was never really dominant, uh, but some people really liked it. And this Hulkbuster change, it feels like that was some collateral damage there. I played both, so- um, and that that was my feeling as well. Really, is I played Destroy and it felt the same. And you can get giant Deadpool's like pretty much no matter what i mean it's a little draw dependent but like whatever but i played safeties uh multiple man phoenix force type mm-hmm. thing and and uh yeah it felt significantly weaker uh it's still seeing quite a bit of play so since the ota on untapped uh pre-infinite games it accounts for 8.1 percent of games logged Post-infinite is 6.5%, which is a little lower post-infinite. It's about the same pre-infinite. And in Conquest, in Infinity Conquest, since it's Infinity Conquest week, uh, 10.3%, the most popular deck in Infinity Conquest since uh, February 1st. So um, you not saying destroy zombies looks like variants. Uh, yeah, it could be. Very well could be variants. And it still has a, a pretty respectable win rate as a as the best performing deck in the meta uh allegedly um it had a, a softer win rate than some other meta tyrants from meta games past people like destroy and uh you know uh they're still playing it and it seems to be uh trucking along although i would argue that as far as uh 
you know, meta leaders go, Destroy seems to be one of the less offensive uh, decks that we've had over the months. So I'm not sure that the top dog has to always be hit. There's always going to be a top dog. Um, we could do yeah. far worse than this, right? I think that's been a commonly shared sentiment where if Destroy is one of or the best deck in the game, that usually is a better thing than a worse thing because that means there's a lot of other stuff that can compete and generally that's been true i think uh conquest there's been some like discussion about like uh uh the polarization and conquest i think that's fairly true i think that's just kind of a conquest issue in general and that's why i found personally ladder has been a lot more fun for me i avoided ladder for a very long time the last couple months because loki was on top and most of the people in the top 1,000 were playing Loki, and I don't like playing against Loki. It's not it, a it fun experience to me. Uh, so I avoided <laughs> Ladder like the Plague because it was not fun for me, and I saw a bit more variety in Conquest back then. And now it's kind of the opposite, where I still see variety in Conquest, but you feel those unfavorable matchups so much more painfully in Conquest because, like, uh, like, for example, I was doing the Infanti run the other night and I was playing my 2099 moving deck and I really liked the deck and I got to game five and then I ran into uh, a Nihilist Darkhawk. And that was like, I think, as close to a hard counter as you could get uh, because they put out a larger points than me. And uh, outside of like shanging the sentry or the Darkhawk, you don't really have a way of interacting with the things that they're doing, like their demons or sending you over the uh, the void. So they just have more stats without being vulnerable to tech. And they're not quite as uh, vulnerable to what my deck tries to do, which is, you know, move the opponent's cards around the board and kind of keep them guessing on where you're playing for. Um, so that felt really bad. You know, you make it all the way to game five and then you run into an unfavorable and you have to bash your head against a wall for like 20 30 minutes uh just that uphill battle and uh i think that that's just a thing in conquest and i have seen some people discuss trying to like find a way to make that better but i'm not really sure there is a way to make that better i think that's just kind of part of what comes along with conquest is like yeah. you're going to get unfavorable sometimes and it's not very fun when you have to face them over and over and over again my hot take is that conquest would be better if it was an eight cube game instead of 10 just so that you know you don't have that residual oh, two, yeah. and it would make it would make the whole the set shorter i think that for me uh i think i'm just not i don't enjoy conquest so probably my my suggestions are unhelpful but it's a big it's a lot of snap and it can be mentally taxing uh, playing into an unfavorable for for seven to ten rounds, uh, only to like you know lose the game you were probably going to lose anyhow, but going far deeper in the run than than you had any business, but the outcome is still zero sum. It's a winner or loss. I usually end up doing one infinite conquest run a season, and uh, I, I you know I don't have I don't have much more patience than that. And I think you're you're kind of articulating the same thing, although perhaps your experience zombies is a little bit more meta dependent. But yeah, with ladder, yeah, you get unfavorable. You you retreat. You get into the next game. It's a lot more of a um, uh, one and done. So uh, easier yeah. to avoid tilt too. Like uh, I think especially against destroy and stuff or any deck when like your opponent gets favorable locations like a few games in a row, it's really easy to get tilted. And tilt is really really punishing in this game. And I find you know when on ladder, you're if you're not running into the same stuff, which right now there's a lot of variety. Uh, I think it's easier to avoid that kind of tilt because if something goes wrong, you're like, oh, I lose a cube or I lose two cubes. 
but when you have something go wrong like three times and it's it's all in their favor and you're down a bunch and it just it starts to get frustrating and then usually when people are frustrated they don't play as well so it's uh i think it's kind of like a snowball in conquest when things start to go wrong they just get worse and worse because uh it's very important to be like mindful when you're snapping and retreating in conquest and i think as you know even tilt aside just like when you're five games into infinity conquest that's a ton of snap and especially if you're playing a deck that requires more thought it's like it's tiring like uh, I I don't know if I would take a, a werewolf by night deck into Infinity Conquest because if I made it to game five, I'm pretty sure I would be like mentally exhausted by the time I got there. Yeah, uh, I I agree. Um, so moving on with the OCA changes, if the move players were uh, unhappy about the Hulkbuster change, surely the next change to Heimdall was what uh, classic move gamers were clamoring for. Uh, now having the superior 6-9 stat line. Nice. Instead of 6-8. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this was... I mean, it's Is fine, it? right? Like, it's... You still Heimdall move into lose. Uh, yeah, it's... So that's the classic, like, snap <laughs> line. It's like Heimdall into lose, and I don't... I don't know. 6-9. It can't get shanked, so that's, that's good. Uh, yeah it's it doesn't fix the problem like traditional move has right which is people have brought this up like destroy and uh discard both have like a late game payoff for doing their thing through the whole game and uh move just doesn't have that uh like heimdall he just he's dependent on you having played things earlier and when you've played those things earlier it's very clear what's going to happen with them a lot of the time. And so I think move really needs some kind of like big, if they clearly want to make more expensive move cards, a thing, but I think for that to succeed, you need a big payoff move card. And you also need uh, a cheaper move card. Uh, Well, no, I mean more like null or apocalypse. I think you need a big finisher move card, but I think you also need something like uh, Morbius where it's like the difference between Morbius and uh, Craven is the fact that the Craven has to be on the board immediately for its uh, effect to work. Whereas Mobius uh, or Morbius, if you get him later, he has, you know, he gets the benefit for you doing the, having done the thing throughout the game. Um, I think move would really benefit a lot from a card like that. It just doesn't really, it lacks those kind of cards. So one or both of those cards, I think would go a long way to fixing this like i like the idea of there being higher costed move cards rather than like traditionally move is revolved around cards that cost three or less like i like what they're trying to do but it's not good enough right now they need it's to funny like... move has so many scalers human torch vulture mm-hmm. um craven but they all kind of you know, <laughs> they're, they're kind of like you know they're, they very just, condi- they're very they're very um conditional or circumstantial like you, it's, you can it's, say bad it's okay yeah and they have <laughs> board space Man. issues too like the yeah. board space when you play all these cheap cards your board gets filled up and that messes with something like heimdall and in general your ability to move cards around the board so it's like it's in a way high cost move cards could be nice because they're not filling up your you're not filling up as much of your board so there's more space for you to do the move thing but 
I, I don't know. It's just this isn't it. Well, speaking, speaking of, of high cost move cards, oh Nate, and I have yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. like we were in That's synchronicity great. there. I uh, go for it, Nate. I was gonna say, speaking of high cost move <laughs> cards, yeah, here you go, Spider Man twenty ninety nine. He's swinging in. <laughs> Finally, the the Spider Man twenty ninety nine buff that everyone was waiting for. Um, it only but, took like eight months. Didn't they even, say even they were play... happy with where he was at or something like that? <laughs> Oh, that a was long a time ago, ago they did yeah yeah, yeah. but the, they finally admit that he's not very good and the funny thing about their notes here was like they basically were like yeah we don't know what we want to do with this card yet so we're just going to change his numbers a bit and see how that goes but they made it pretty clear this isn't probably the final form uh it's just experimenting oh. with uh yeah they they basically this and the other card we'll talk about ghosts they they they're just kind of experimenting with what this card does at this different stat range. But I think for both of them, they said that uh, we're interested in doing something different with these cards or something else with these cards. We don't really know what we want that to be. Like, we don't know what the they're not decided on what they want to do with the card. So in the meantime, it gets a change. And this is another one where I think a few move people were a little sad, although I don't think he was really seeing play there. I feel like I'm like the one person who's drinking the the 2099 Kool Aid and has actually been enjoying playing the card a lot more as a five nine in that uh, move your opponent's card kind of deck because five nines are good. It's like the most premium stat line for a five drop that can't get Shang Chi'd, um, and uh, yeah, killing an opponent's thing is also pretty good. Turns out, so I know there's randomness to it and whatnot, but uh. I've actually really liked this change and I'm going to be kind of sad if they change it again, which I'm sure they probably will because most people didn't really like the change, but uh, Hey, I'm going to get my time out of it. It took them eight months or whatever for the first change. It'll probably take them a while for the next one. Yeah. Yeah. Ghost, the next card that was changed. I was kind of, this was the one that I was most excited for. Uh, it went from a one, two stat line to a three, five. And I was excited for this change because in you know, some of the fringe decks that I like to play, I, I thought that it could slot in. Interestingly enough, I did see quite a few people um, that I interacted with or interact with regularly on Twitter kind of say that they were unhappy about the change because the decks that they liked Ghost in, such as decks that rely on Valkyrie or Spectrum, possibly would not appreciate the extra cost. You know, and I get it, right? It's like it's that change for the sake of change thing. Um, but uh, I think that Ghost as a 3-5 is um, a better card uh, in a vacuum. And that's mainly because it can't be Killmongered. And so now, you know, you can play Ghost alongside Killmonger, which, you know, can be quite powerful. Um, whereas before, that was a little bit trickier. Um, so yeah, Control Sarah shells have been kind of where people have been experimenting with ghost and if you avoid Eliath, it's been really good yeah uh, specifically the beta ray build decks i think are the main deck that really like this card three five is a lot of stats like the difference between a one two and a three five is really really big three five is premium one two is like bare minimum and has a generally low impact on the game also like you mentioned uh might not stick around because of killmonger 3-5 is like really effective stats for the cost, uh, which is exactly what the Beta Ray build decks like doing. And like the biggest issue those decks have had, I feel like, is 
you get your Jane and you draw your hammers and then you're ready to go, but you often take priority and then you lose the lane to Shang and you're sad. Mm. Um, and uh, this fixes that, right? Like you play ghost and now all of a sudden you're not having to worry about a shadow King or a Shang Chi making your, your fun hammer guys uh, not exist anymore. So I really like that. Like, and especially a lot of the beta ray build decks have actually had, you know, some reactive tools of their own, namely Shang. Um, but also sometimes, you know, deploying like a, a surprise Miss Marvel uh, or whatever um, is also good because then your opponent can't like react with it and they don't, they aren't necessarily expecting the power bump. So uh, I think the new home for ghost is niche, but uh, specifically in that deck, it seems like a really, really big boost. And uh, yeah, I like it. it. Seems, seems good. So those were the changes. Um, you yeah. know, despite it being a quiet OTA week, uh, there is still quite a bit done, and it will be interesting to see what the lasting impact is uh, on the metagame with these changes. Um, yeah. So yeah. kind of moving on from the balance changes, this is the last week of the season, and that is Infinity Conquest week, and I imagine that people are... Um, either doing their monthly infinite, infinite conquest runs or some people are grinding it really hard. I, as I mentioned earlier, I do one a month and I usually don't win because it's uh, five games in a row that you have to win. But this month, I skillfully queued into five soft matches huh. and easily got the prize. And they were very soft matches. Um, it, was yeah. really, it was really laid back. It wasn't, it wasn't a sweat fest at all. Um, and I think that, yeah, the matches were a little soft, but the, I think the big part here was, and, and you basically said this earlier, uh, you know, I just picked a deck that I'm really familiar with. It's very good. I'm comfortable with it's Thanos Lockjaw, uh, balanced now because of Blob, it's still probably one of the best decks in the current metagame. And then after I got it done, um, so too did did you with the same with the same deck as zombies. So yeah, we're yeah, we're, Dennis uh, Lockjaw, really good. It it has it's a good deck, but it's also the best thing about it. I think is that it's very easy to learn, and the snaps and retreats and like doing the math is kind of the most straightforward out of most of the decks in the game. Obviously, there's RNG with the Lockjaw and stuff, but I feel like there are a few decks in the game where it is very clear to me most games that hey i have a good chance of winning this i have very little chance of winning this and how you can kind of capitalize on that so i i think uh if you're looking for a deck for infinity conquest you really cannot go wrong with it because it has reacted it can react with shang chi it cheats out mana for bigger things so it can outstat opponents uh and it has a way of nullifying your opponent's interaction with things like Kyra and Leech, it kind of just covers all the bases. Uh, it's uh, it's very hard to think of another deck that feels as well-rounded as this type of shell. Yeah, my biggest complaint with Thanos decks over the last couple of months was that, you know, oftentimes it was just an existing deck with Thanos in it that made it worse. Destroy is a great example of that. And there were other shells as well. Um, with the release of uh, Beta Ray Bill, a lot of people have been experimenting with more classic uh, Jane Jaw, um, Lockjaw, and this version feels better than the non-Thanos version. And I think that that's a big part is because of the toolbox cards that allows you to run that you really appreciate in Conquest. You know, having the Reality Stone to turn off a Limbo, 
um, you know, huge. Having Kyera to nullify Shang-Chi, if, if you know your opponent has that, you can even use it, um, you know, to, to, to try and, and bait out a Shang-Chi. Uh, so there's that kind of, uh, there's the, even though this is a deck that puts a lot of points on the board, uh, it has a lot of um, reactive style tools that generally can't fit in a deck like this. That That's really, really good. So you've got Shang, you've got the Stones, you've got Kyera, and uh, there's even more stuff coming. You know, it's funny that <laughs> the the card in this deck that I feel is the, the, the weakest is the Scar, but we just run it because we don't really have a better option at present. I mean, this is this is the list. I tried running it uh, earlier in the month with uh, uh, She-Hulk over Devil Dino when the Blob nerf occurred. But Devil Dino is so good in these Thanos lists because it, it's you know it, for 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 a five it, it generally is well above ten. And yeah. and for people, that's who are good playing, with Scar too, right? Because it helps yeah. you, you if you ramp out your Dino on four, you can play. The big benefit of Scar is the fact that he goes really well with the Lockjaw plan. Because one, if he comes out of Lockjaw, you're happy you didn't have to pay the cost for him. He's a six drop that doesn't always cost six, so he gets the benefit of Kyra protection. Uh, there's also a bug with wave right now, which can further reduce his cost through the wave effect, which is yeah, actually bug. a relevant buff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's pretty, it, that, so that's a pretty big one. Like it's, it's weird. Like he's in a weird spot, but uh, he, he just fits what this deck is trying to do. The, the big thing being, being able to uh, play him after you, let's say you play your lockjaw and you get something big out of it on turn four uh, or even sometimes turn three, usually turn four though. You get something big out of the lockjaw, then you can play Scar on turn four and or turn five, and you can play a stone alongside it into the lockjaw. And I think that's kind of his biggest strength is the fact that you can get down a big threat while also pumping your lockjaw lane. Yep. Yeah, two two things that I think bear mentioning with this deck. Um Kyer is really good. Like really, yeah. really, really good. It's one of those cards that I think if it's not already a problem, will probably be one just because of the space it occupies, even though it's a three drop. Um, there are so many games uh, that, you know, just were won because Shang and Kyra flipped on the same turn and it just nullified the Shang, right? It, mm -hmm. And, and Shang is an expensive card and, and you know, they kind of you kind of lose that turn. I see some versions cutting Leech and I, I don't know. I wouldn't cut Leech. I mean, Leech I basically, so good. yeah. When we when I started my run, the reason that I decided to play this deck was because Leech just answers so many things that this deck struggles with, um, and because it has so many chunky big boys, uh, you know, it can it can eat the tempo loss. It, it can be tricky sometimes. It doesn't take it as cleanly as the Evo decks do, but um, it's still really worth running. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, so I like this deck. You know, if, if I wanted to do something different for Infinite Conquest, I think like a Sarah Tech deck or like the the Bill, the Beta Ray Bill Thor deck that's running Ghost and and like the the reactive package with Shang and 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 Enchantress. I mean, basically, if if you're not putting a lot of points on the board, you need to have a reactive game plan. You need to you need to be able to beat a deck like the Tribunal combo deck. 
uh, whether it's through disruption or points, uh, because if you if you don't have an answer for one of these decks, and this is the polarizing experience that you were talking about, zombies, you you just your runs over. Like if you if you're playing a deck like um, I don't know, like Monkey Bounce, just as an example, and you queue into Tribunal, you're probably I mean anything's possible. You're gonna have a bad time. <laughs> you're gonna have a bad time because pizza when you should have French fried. <laughs> yeah, and and I feel that's the polarization in Conquest, and you know, some some folks had some suggestions about how to make Conquest better, and. I, I don't know things like a sideboard or being able to, to swap decks. I don't know if those would make Conquest better, but I know what it would do. It would make it longer. And when yeah. a con when an infinite Conquest run can take two and a half hours um, from start to finish, that's yeah. anything to make that longer would be, for me, a, a feels bad. I already feel like it's too much snap for me. Maybe I'm in the minority, but I, I don't know about you guys. What do you think about sideboards or deck swapping and conquest? Yeah, I, I agree. I I don't like the idea of sideboards at all. Like, I think people, especially players who have played Magic, get like a uh, have a very skewed idea of sideboards being a positive thing. When I played Magic: The Gathering, here's the experience with sideboards: one, they absolutely make the game take longer, like significantly longer yep uh, it's a little bit better in like digital than it would be in paper but uh also the thing with magic is you're you have a 60 card deck the odds of you seeing your sideboard tools are generally smaller than in a game like snap uh obviously you'd obviously have you know a smaller sideboard but i really dislike the idea of any side decking in a game with 12 card decks like that one card is such a difference maker. It also means that no deck ever has to choose to put tech in their main deck. You could just not run tech cards and just everyone's sideboard is full of the tech cards. And then it just becomes a game of, well, I can swap in these tech cards. But then again, like I've seen in Magic a bunch, people just a good player will swap out the things that they're expecting you to tech against. Uh, so maybe you swap in Shang-Chi and they swap out one of their one or two of their big threats. So your tech, and then it just feels like I'm flipping a coin. Like I'm, I'm, I'm deciding how deep in the tank I want to go. If I think my opponent is going to do a move like that. And then if it backfires and you take it out and then they don't swap in the tech, it's like, was that really a big clever read or was I kind of flipping a coin on if was my opponent going to do this or not? And I just don't like the idea. I, and I, don't think they would ever implement it because it would it would require additional UI. It would make the games longer. Um, again, twelve card decks. I just I think sideboards are a really really bad idea in Marvel Snap. Yeah, I agree. I don't have anything else to contribute, but I totally agree. I'm not a fan, and there's already enough like tech W. I, I think yeah, tech defines the meta right now. Like, do we really want uh, all sideboards? Aren't going to? I think the I think some people that I've seen expressed interest in it. I get where they're coming from uh, because some decks feel like you, you can't naturally include tech cards because you have so many other cards you want to include. Um, and so they feel bad when like they lose because they don't have the tech. But I, I think that's just the nature of conquest. Like conquest feels worse than ladder uh, when, you know, you run into uh, the thing that you can't answer properly uh, because you're locked into having to face it over and over. And truthfully, that's why I think the, the ladder format is the 
better way to enjoy Snap generally. Yes. Uh, because it, it it just isn't as frustrating. I think the frustrating thing here is that after you get infinite, there's no reward for doing ladder. So it feels like if you're someone who wants to get rewarded and, you know, the rewards are minor, um, although not all minor, like uh, some of the stuff you get from the Conquest shop is really nice. The variants, there's some uh, currency. That stuff's valuable, uh, but it's not too, too hard to get a hold of that. After that, it's just boosters. Uh, but if you've played the game a long time and you like splitting cards, boosters have a tangible value. Like there are cards I wish I could keep splitting. And I just don't have the boosters for in spite of playing them a lot. I saw so, you get uh, all those Lockjaw ones last night. It mm -hmm. was like... Yeah, that was exciting. Like, it, it's it's rare because there's so many cards you can get random boosters for. But when I actually get 155 boosters for a card I like splitting but keep running out, I'm happy about that. Like, it's, it's a very nice bonus. I feel rewarded for getting something out of playing. And I just don't get that out of ladder. Um, I don't really think they necessarily should give some big reward for climbing the ladder because i don't know i i think infinite is enough of a reward for most people but it would be nice if there was some reason some like small even if it was just boosters i don't i don't want anything really exclusive or or whatever i i just think it would be nice if there was uh something to compete with conquest in terms of getting additional boosters on ladder so that way people could feel like they could just play whichever mode they like more uh, without being like, oh, I'm going to play Conquest because Conquest gives me rewards after Infinite and Ladder doesn't. Uh, so even something that simple where if they found a way to implement like extra boosters on post-Infinite Ladder, I think would go a long way with just letting people play the game the way they want to play the game more. Well, one suggestion I heard about Conquest, I don't remember who made it. Maybe it was KM Best? I can't recall. Um but uh, it was we can make conquest better by eliminating the proving grounds. Well, no, he I, he said get rid of silver. I think not oh, the proving yeah. grounds. And I kind of agree with that. Like taking one tier out of it, I think would go a long way to reducing kind of the grind. But I don't think that fixes the issues we've talked about in terms of uh, things being more polarized in conquest. It's just like tech matters. It turns out tech matters a lot more. Uh, when you know you are running into the same deck over and over, because when you have that silver bullet, you know it's going to be good every game, um, and that's just kind of the nature of conquest. And I don't think there really is a way to fix that without completely like reinventing the mode, which I don't think they want to put the resources into. I think they'd rather just you know work on another new mode that gives you a different experience than that. Right, like the one in concept right now that. We'll yeah maybe find out about later in the year yeah um so that's that's kind of i guess uh our thoughts on conquest we don't really want to see things that would make it be grindier or longer definitely um, not <laughs> i think what what i what what i hear people um saying is that they want to feel like they have more agency over their game um, without having to like main deck the the tech cards. Tech cards are so good that the best decks run them straight in line. And maybe that's another another potential area that that would need uh, that would warrant discussion. But uh, well, we saw what happened the last time they wanted to make tech less prominent in the meta, yeah. and that was Loki. So as you know, tech may not be perfect, but if I'm in a world where I have to choose between tech cards being prominent and swingy 
versus Loki being the best deck in the game, I know which world I'm picking, <laughs> and it's not the Loki one. <laughs> I probably would be inclined to agree. Um, I wouldn't want to go back to, to that uh, game state. Yeah. Um, but speaking of game state, uh, as I try to uh, inject another segue, um, we're about to enter into a new season. And there are a lot of interesting cards coming this season, which is a break from this past season where maybe the cards weren't as um, interesting as as maybe we're, we've become accustomed to. So um, this uh, theme uh, for the upcoming month is uh, Thanos's uh, generals and lieutenants. Um, Black Order, is it called? Yep. Yes. And um, I wasn't really familiar with what this was until uh, I watched the always fantastic uh, preview video that uh, Second Order puts out for the upcoming season. And I, I think this looks like a pretty uh, exciting month. Uh, it's certainly going to change the meta. Um, you know, we oftentimes are pretty critical about the game economy. Um, and I think justifiably so, but perhaps one area that we haven't really focused on that, you know, we can touch on right now is how great the battle passes are in terms of, uh, value and impact. Um, you know, it's, it's the best thing you can buy oh, and, yeah. uh, the, the variants that are included, like the cosmetics that are included, I think are some of the best cosmetics, um, going back several months. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, they've been doing really well they like they they haven't re i feel like they haven't missed on a pass you can argue that some of the cards are better than other ones some were op re more recently they've been a little bit better about not having the battle pass card be broken in half with uh shaw and scar um and i think swan is going to be a good example of a, a card that is kind of in the scar territory except maybe a little more flexibility in the decks that run it this battle uh, pass is amazing the art the, the art is art incredible is so good it's so good the fiona death is one people have wanted for a while like i don't think i've seen anyone say oh man i really didn't like the variants and stuff in the past like for a while like it's the just great they're cool the yeah the thanos black... one for the thanos deck i i'm i got a thanos title and a thanos avatar now i just need the thanos card back and uh, I like the pass variant for Black Swan. So, so yeah, let's have a look at the cards. But yeah, just I just wanted to to kind of just uh, point that out that uh, the battle pass. If you're you know a free to play player and you're thinking about um, where you might want to spend something, um, you know, it's always the pass. Passes. Yeah. If you spend any money in Marvel Snap, you, your best move is always to become a pass only player. You don't need to buy every pass because um, obviously that can add up. But uh, if you are looking to invest a small amount of money for having a better experience or having more stuff to mess around with, like it's the pass is the way you go. Yep. Yeah, and so the the card this month that's included in the pass is Black Swan, and Black Swan is a, a pretty exciting card. Um, it originally was a two three, and that's what we have on the screen, but it was recently changed to a three five, and they did this to make the card better. They said that in internal testing, Black Swan underperformed as a two three, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. And what Black Swan does is it as an on reveal makes your one cost cards cost zero next turn uh which at least to me 
seems like a very impactful ability. So you, you said this would be on scar level. I don't I don't know. I think that this I to me like my my I think it's better than Scar. I just mean it's not like it's not Miss Marvel or Loki. It's not like crazy broken, but I think right. it's better than the last like two months. It's it's a good card. And three five makes it again a lot better. That three five stat line is premium. Um I'm I'm glad they kind of came to that realization uh before it released instead of releasing it as a two three and then buffing it. Um so yeah, three five black swan seems pretty sweet. Uh, and a big part of that is uh, it also helps you like curve out more, uh, especially with some of the other cards coming this month, like uh, uh, Cole Obsidian, which is the four drop. So you can play a three five into a four ten. And that's it's a really good curve. Like, that's, oh, we got to talk yeah, about how Cole works, too. But we'll yes, we'll do yeah. it. Uh, Super Giants next. But uh, we you had found something out about that card that uh, makes it better. So we should let everyone know. But yeah, Black Swan, it's it's a Thanos card, right? Uh, you put this in your Thanos decks, your Thanos Zoo, your Thanos Lockjaw. Uh, you're real happy with it, um, right? Because you get free stones. And anyone who was around during the, the Quinjet era of Thanos remembers how strong free stones are. Uh, they are very, very strong. And as someone who enjoys like Zoo-style decks, I'm very excited for this card because the biggest issue Zoo-style decks have is you know, you have a bunch of cheap things and then you have your things that buff them, right? Like Kazar and Blue Marvel. But the issue is sometimes in order to play those buff cards, you don't always have enough mana to to play all the cheap things. Or maybe you're playing like an ongoing zoo and there's like one or two stuck in your hand that you can't play with Spectrum on the final turn. This has a lot of potential to help fix those issues. Um, so I, I really like the card. I think it's cool. Yeah, and uh, the Battle Pass variant that we have up on the screen is uh, really awesome. So, yeah, it's uh, super cool. So uh, definitely a card that I'm looking forward to, that I'm excited about. Um, and it plays in a variety of decks that I think, uh, you know, I, I tend to enjoy. So, yeah, uh, look at, looking forward to that. Yep. Um, now, Second Dinner has been releasing um, a new card alongside the battle pass card in the same week uh and they are continuing that this month with super giant super giant's an interesting one and i think it's a card that a lot of people have been talking about for good reason because it has a very disruptive ability so mm -hmm. it is a um four it's it, it's a four six now correct it's listed no this as, one's still four five it's still four five okay this one's sorry still four five uh Good. Thank you for for uh, correcting that. So it's a four or five, and it's on reveal is that uh, cards uh, will not be uh, revealed um, until next turn. So really, the well, idea next turn the cards played the turn after it is played won't be revealed until the end of the game. So you play Super Giant on four. The cards right. you and your opponent play on five won't be flipped until the end of the game. Basically. It's a Sarah killer. Yeah, Sarah's the big one. It's a five drop killer, right? Yeah. Like Modoc. Sarah, Modoc, uh, Jane, Legion, Leech. It, Leech. Yeah, Professor X. These are all the cards that like it's really seems to be designed to uh, say, hey, you're trying to do some big swingy play or set yourself up on turn five. Well, you're not going to be able to do that or you're not going to get that effect off on turn five when you want it, which it's a neat space to explore. Like, I'm not sure if it's going to be good or not when it comes out. 
Um, I do think it might be a good conquest card because Sarah's so good in conquest, having something like this to like limit what they're able to do. Like you, if you're packing this and uh, Mobius, like Sarah's got to be kind of upset, right? Um, so it's it's an interesting card, and one other neat application is like you play this in a Zabu Darkhawk deck, and you play this, let's say on three or four, whenever. And you can hide your Darkhawk, right? Sometimes you never really want to play the Darkhawk early, right? Because then they know where it is and they know they can Shang it. Mm-hmm. But if you hide it with Supergiant, uh, they don't know what that card is. They don't know that's going to be your Darkhawk at the end of the game. Um, yeah. So I kind of like that. Is It's more of a niche application, but kind of an interesting one. Or doubling up as another kind of invisible woman in the Modok Hela style deck. So you play this on four, you play Modok on five, so it doesn't discard your Hela. I think that's a bit niche because most of those have moved away from it, but there is something to be said for adding redundancy in combo decks. So maybe it's good enough. Do you think that people are going to, do you think this is going to make uh, uh, people rage against Eliath like they oh, once yeah. did? Yeah, 100%. Uh, people still hate Eliath. Uh, it's not popular. It's still pretty good. Uh, I think it's like, it's performing fine, but it's really not that popular of a deck. Um, but people still hate it as much as they always did from my experience. Um, and I think this card, all the Alioth enjoyers out there, uh, they are, uh, they're ready for super giant. <laughs> and, and I'm curious to see the kind of decks that make that work, right? Because for that to work, you need to take priority, right? So in order to play super giant, which is kind of a tempo loss, right? Four or five isn't that great stats. Uh, and yeah. your whatever you play on five is not going to impact the state of priority. So you have to be thinking, how do I guarantee I get priority in the first three turns of the game in order to make Supergiant into Alioth work? And I think that's going to be an interesting thing to experiment with. That's like a, a fun kind of build around where you take a deck. Because right now, I think a lot of the Alioth decks, the... They fight for Pryo, but like I don't think they're doing it especially hard compared to other decks. Uh, they, they often have like Doom as a backup and and whatnot, and maybe they still will. But I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting to see if anyone comes up with a deck that really puts out a lot of early points, so it can do the super giant Alioth shenanigans. Well, that's going to be coming to uh, a Spotlight token Monday. shop, yeah, yeah, near you on Tuesday, not Monday depends where you are in this world but yes yeah. uh for us in north america tuesday uh either afternoon or morning so that'll be an interesting one um the following week after super giant uh we have cull obsidian which has a card that has changed quite a bit um from the time that it was originally leaked in its final form it is now a 410 um, that must be played in a lane with a one drop, although notably, unlike Crossbones, where you have to be winning the lane before the turn starts in order to play Crossbones, you can play Cull Obsidian alongside a one drop um, at, at the same time. And so, yeah, that's really big. Like yeah. that, We thought it was going to work like Crossbones, where Crossbones, you have to be winning the lane to play the card. We thought you wouldn't be able to sequence it with playing a one drop the same term as call and that was like a pretty big downside for him and now the fact that you can play black swan make your ones free into play a one in a lane and play call in that same lane is really really big um that that's a huge boost for this card um i do low key think he would have been better as a four nine because <laughs> then he dodges yeah. shang 
Um, but maybe they wanted there to be some, you know, risk reward here. And that seems fine. Um, yeah, I do wish he had good. an ongoing still his, his old data mine version was probably way too strong, which was a, a 410 with ongoing can't be destroyed and had the same condition. Uh, and I don't think you really want to give that to a card like this. I think that would have been too strong, but I would have liked if they kept the ongoing for his effect. So ongoing, you can only play this where a one drop is. So that way you can buff him with Spectrum. I think it would have been cool if this this card fit well into like a, a Spectrum style thing. Yeah. And I'm a little sad it doesn't, but it uh, still seems really good. Uh, generally, 410s are pretty good. Um, and uh, I, yeah, I'm interested to see how the card does. It is worth noting this card initially data mined as a Series 4. In the preview video, it was Series 5. Actually, all the cards in the preview video were Series 5. It's been a while since we had a full Series 5 month. I think it's actually been a really long time, like a couple months. Hopefully that um, was an error, but yeah, I'm hoping it's wrong. They haven't good. clarified, but it, there's a chance this might be a full series five month, which would uh, be kind of a bummer. I think people really appreciate the fact that they can normally pick up one of the cards of the month as a series four for tokens uh, rather than having to rely on caches or six K tokens, which, you know, that's essentially two series four cards, right? So uh, kind of hoping that's wrong, but I guess we'll see. And uh, the other thing that's relevant about this card getting a buff to 10 is uh, Scar, right? While it may make it in Chang range, uh, this is now a card that you can uh, play to reduce your Scar. And that's pretty cool. Like if you play out, um, if you play out this card early, let's say use a time stone on turn two, you play this card on turn three, you can play Scar on turn four. Uh, That's a lot of stats very early in the game. Um, So it's, it's very interesting, and uh, I especially like the fact that you can do stuff like uh, playing Black Swan into this, because then you can also like use your stones, whether you're just playing them out or maybe like dunking one of them way into the lockjaw or something. Yeah, no, this this is uh, looking like a a, a good card um, for Thanos uh, and for you know any kind of flood or zoo deck that's running a lot of ones, because um, uh, Cull's a big boy. Um, the next card is also, you know, pretty compelling, um, and uh, it's Corvus Glaive. And what this card does is, it is a three-five that uh, when you play it as an on reveal, you discard two cards from your hand at random, a la Hellcow. But unlike Hellcow, this card gives you plus one energy; it ramps you, uh, which seems like a pretty sweet payoff Mm -hmm. very powerful effect like uh they did clarify you do need to discard both cards to activate the condition so you won't get a you won't get a bonus if you uh only discard one card which fringe thing but you never know yeah uh this was buffed though from a three four to a three five again three five that kind of premium stat line this seems like a really really good hella card like this seems really really good for hella it does everything that hella wants yeah, it and it makes your game plan better when you don't draw the Hella. Like if you need a backup, you play this on turn three uh, or four, and then you can actually play those six drops that are normally rotting away in your hand uh, on turn five. So that's that's pretty uh, it's pretty handy. Uh, it also like having two things to discard is really nice in the early game, um, and being able to do that a turn sooner is really really relevant. Uh, because with something like Hellcow, the earliest you can do that is, you know, turn four if you're actually paying for it and it's not popping out a lockjaw. 
by so your odds of actually having the hella in hand and it being a risk for you to discard are higher by the time turn four comes around so the fact that you can rip this on turn three when if hell is not in your hand there really isn't much risk at all uh that seems pretty huge that seems like a really big benefit and maybe it makes playing some of your other cards a little bit more flexible like uh maybe on your fourth turn you can play like a a dracula and a blade or something like that or a black knight and a sif or well, I guess you could play those already on turn four, but you get the idea. It's just more energy is always a good thing. And this just as an aside, this week, the third week of February or the third week in the in the February season um, looks like a very good week to use spotlight keys. Uh, so you get Corvus Glaive, Gladiator and X-23 are all included that week, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so for those of us that passed on Gladiator, it's nice that I guess like they could have paired Gladiator with any cards this month, but just that week in general seems you know pretty pretty. They're good. all really good cards, right? Yeah, like, they're Corvus all cards. Is good Gladiator's good X twenty three is good. They're all like very important in the decks that run them. Yeah, so that's that's going to be a good week for. Uh, it's not a hard week to recommend uh, using keys. Uh, for those that are always trying to get the most value out of their limited game resources. Um, And finally, last but certainly not least, uh, Proxima Midnight. So Proxima Midnight uh, buffed from a 4.6 that we see on screen to now a 4.7. Basically, will when discarded, will play to your Elaine that has the least amount of power, if I recall correctly. And, you know, this was a card that I kind of saw, and I was like, oh, that that's, seems neat, sure, whatever. But then in the uh, the preview video, um, they, they show Proxima Midnight hitting the board once it's discarded from hand, and just seeing, like, Seven kind of snap into Elaine, uh, no pun intended, uh, yeah, that's a lot of stats uh, that you get for for doing something that your deck wants to do, anyways. Uh, so yeah, this looks like another really good card if you're playing, you know, decks that discard, whether that's an apocalypse deck, a hella deck, um, or even some of these cheeky black bolt decks. Um, potentially uh, could also benefit from Proxima, although generally that's targeted discard, so maybe I'm getting a bit ahead of myself there. But yeah, that said, 4-7 uh, for free is uh, pretty sweet. Uh, did want a, one one amendment about the the uh, the interaction we suggested with um, uh, Supergiant. So it won't actually work with MODOK if you sequence it that way, because if you'd play Hella on six and the Modoc's hit and the Modoc goes off afterwards, you'd you'd need basically to do Corvus on three, uh, Supergiant on four, then you play Hella on five and it's hidden, and then you play the Modoc. So be a little bit uh, a little bit different than just slamming it like we said before. Worth pointing out, but yeah, Proxima Proxima is this is like uh, she's like peanut butter and jelly, like with the the Corvus, like they're just. Uh, relationship goals is what ben brode said and it's true also this got buffed to a four seven um four sevens are really good and especially when you're paying zero mana for them this is kind of this goes back to the issue we had with uh with the move stuff uh one of the powerful things being done here is 
You get stats without having to pay cost for it. That's one of Destroy's strengths, right? You get a 0-12 if you did your thing. And this, you get a 0-7 if you did your thing. That's really good. Uh, yep. 0-7s are nothing to scoff at. That's uh, And especially when, you know, having another card like this provides really good redundancy in terms of getting stuff you want to discard in your hand. So that makes cards like Corvus better because uh, you're not worth, like you're actually happy if this is discarded. Like imagine that tempo swing, you play Corvus on three and you discard this, you paid three energy, you got five power, seven power for free, and now you're an energy ahead. Like that's a really huge swing. Um, so I, I think this card's really strong and the, the buff to seven really helps her out a bit. So there's a lot of application here in both Hella and regular discard. Like I think if discard is going to come back from the dead, like normal discard, uh, they're sure given it, you know, every chance to have that happen this month. Like they're, they're really trying to make it work. I think this is the first month where I want all the cards. Yeah. I kind of feel that this is the first month in a while. Like I feel like January was kind of more boring and even December, not all the cards, but I feel like a lot of the cards, they just didn't, they weren't super exciting to me in terms of like uh, changing an existing archetype or making a new build around. Um, yeah. And these cards, yeah, like I, I think these are a lot more exciting. I'm, I'm, I also really like that they interact with each other, which is kind of a, it's kind of a bad thing from the economy angle, right? Where it's like, oh, you know, if you get Corvus and you can't get Proxima, you feel kind of bad because uh, they go so well together. And that's been like a problem with Snap for a while where it's like if they want to make a new archetype or really juice a new archetype and you need multiple tools, you have to get the different cards. And yeah, that can be tricky when it's all new cards. Right. So downside from the economy angle, but from a gameplay and like fun perspective, if you can play with the cards, I think it's a lot more fun to have things that go well together. And I also think that improves the odds of them actually making an impact. Right. Like if you're only giving discard one card. Uh, that card really needs to hit. Uh, and sometimes that card can be really good and it's still not enough to lift up the archetype because the rest of it is still being weighed down by the other cards. So uh, yeah, I, I I like what they're doing with this season. This is the the most excited I've been for a season in, in a little bit. At least since October, since Elsa. Yeah, yeah. The Elsa, Elsa season had a lot of bangers. Loki season had a lot of bangers too. It was just like the Loki cast being, the shadow yeah, uh, over like them all. Yeah, our head was banging the wall, not not the cards being bangers. No, that, that, that's true. There were some interesting cards that month. So, Nate, I have a question for you now. Um, having kind of heard all of this with respect to what the game state's looking like and where it's going, so you you started a new job this week. Um, congratulations, by the way. Uh, we're all very happy for you. Um, and so you haven't really had the time to, to play the game like that, you know, like zombies and I have. So do you know what you're going to do your infinite conquest with? Or are you even going to attempt infinite conquest after hearing us talk about how grindy it is? What, what are your plans for um, your end of season snap before reset? I think you're on mute there, Nate. Oops, sorry. Uh, I've, I've got two infinite tickets and so I figure I may as well use them. I mean, I hate to convert them to random boosters, so I'll do yeah, it. Yeah, the conversion rate's really, really bad. Yeah. <laughs> the tickets rot. Um, I hit infinite this month with the Thanos Lockjaw. I'm, it's like I'm super comfortable playing it. Uh, I mean, I'm not as good as, as you all, but, but like, I mean, it's also hit infinite like week one with it. So it's, 
<laughs> I mean, I'm not bad with it. Um, but uh, it's a comfortable deck. It's easy to play. I've, I need the boosters anyways, and so I'll probably play that. Um, and then maybe maybe destroy. I don't know, just because it's fun, and I want boosters for it. And but I don't like. I got the the cool Ghost Rider art card, and um, I got like most of the rewards that I wanted. So like, I, if I don't get an infinite border, like I don't care. Um, but I just want to play what's comfortable and and kind of fun. But I agree with the sentiment earlier. The the difficult piece about Infinite Conquest is the time. Like, I, I, you got to pump two to three hours for sure, like into a run. And like, I don't like doing that. Uh, it's the a new, lot. The new job is awesome. I love it. It's a great company, great people, and they're paying me really well. And so um, I, I'm excited for it. But I also just came from having four months off. And so, yeah. um, like, it's been a huge adjustment to be getting up extra early and getting dressed in, like, normal clothes and g- driving into the office. And, um, and so I've been exhausted all week. But, you know, it's just an adjustment. But yeah, less time. I've been keeping up with my daily quests because I, I, I don't want to spend a lot of money on the game. Um, but I, I don't want the, the daily, like the quest to, to lapse, right? Because they don't stack. Yeah. And so I've been sure to like do those every day. Um, there's a really great 2099 variant in my shop right now. And like, oh, which one? <laughs> uh, it's the, the, it's the, like the white and red one. I don't know what it's uh I could pull it up here but um but the card is like it's kind of a stinker so I'm not sure. I mean maybe it's better now. Uh I was watching If you like the and... move your opponent's stuff deck, it's really fun in that one. Like I I really I don't think there's another deck where he's actually really worth playing. Like, I think he probably got worse in regular move, but uh I've always preferred that style and five nights are just nice. Five I think you're nice. so I have no doubt that it's playable. Think zombies character characterization of the card may be more generous than some, <laughs> uh, but you know he likes it, and I I can't. Uh, it's this guy here. This this one's in my shop right now. It's kind of fun. Oh, that's pretty cool. I like it. Oh yeah, I saw that one the other day. It's good. I got the Dan Hip one. It reminds me of the him in the the Spider Verse movie, and I got the the spotlight too because I'm a true twenty ninety nine believer. What I'm bummed at, so this week I got Lucky and I got, um, well, this past week I should say, and I got Beta Ray Bill in Spotlight Caches and I just opened them on the first one, which is great. But I like sitting here looking at, like I like you, Blue, I, I want all these cards for the next month. Um, and so I'll get them, but ideally I'll get them through Spotlights. And I love the alternate art, like the ones that we were showing on the screen are their spotlight art variants. And like that ain't happening. There's no way I'm opening up five plus just to get those. Like, yeah. yeah, can we can we mention how there has been like no variants for like the new cards outside of spotlights for like the past month? And There's probably a little, little bit of, of a very little bit of a variant shortage for the new cards like Kyra aside from the spotlight. There's no variant. All Same of them. This month. Beta Ray Bill has one, but it hasn't been released. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's been it seems like the the commissions for art or the, the time it takes to create all the different um views like inked gold and and all the different finishes and animations it's probably a lot of work uh it sounds like a lot of work as i describe it um but yeah there's been a little little bit of a drought so that's why i'm still happy to see that the the battle pass has some real 
awesome variants, probably the best ones, because with a shortage, you know, there could be obviously a switcheroo done at the last minute to take them out of the battle pass and put them in the shop for 1200 gold. And so that hasn't happened. And so I'm, I'm happy about that. But yeah, hopefully when we get our next patch uh, next week. Uh, yeah, Tuesday be... should be the patch for the new season. Yeah. Uh, maybe patches usually bring a few random changes in them, but I wouldn't expect too, too much because as we know, uh, they like to do like actual like balancing based on what's going on in the OTAs. So probably just maybe uh, tweaking if there are any main effects they want to change, but I don't really think they're going to change very much. Um, I think the vast majority of players right now are pretty happy with the meta. Um, I think that it is, I've seen, this is the least I've seen people complain about like the state of the meta game, probably in like half a year. Uh, so like I, that's pretty good. And uh, uh, you know, it's hard for, it's not going to be perfect for everyone. Some people are always going to dislike it and that's fair. Um, but for me, I've had a lot more t- fun with the game recently. Uh, I, I like that there is a wide variety of decks that you can be played, especially on ladder, like uh, Conquest. You know, we talked about the issues with the Conquest, but uh, I've had a lot more fun playing uh, just regular on ladder. And it, I've seen a ton of different people climb with these different off meta brews. And that's always, uh, that's always preferable to seeing, you know, uh, everyone playing the same deck like we saw, like, you know, before the the blob change or before the loki change and whatnot well you know when we come back in two weeks uh to to talk about uh our our snap experiences uh a number of these cards will be out and the effects will have been felt on the meta so i'm I'm looking forward to talking about that um you know and and as uh, the month comes to a close hopefully uh you have a good good run or two and get your portrait there nate and uh uh yeah um yeah i, I, think... I appreciate it we'll see what happens i'm not I, like i'll give it a go but i'm also not like holding my breath um that's the best mentality to go into yeah infinity conquest with not giving any expletives about the outcome because you know, you could play your best game and the locations don't fall your way, or you queue into a hard counter, or man, this has kind of been the experience this month. You queue into players that seem like they're going to make logical choices and then do something completely out of left field and trying to like account for that can be really maddening, especially when it's a, uh, you know, uh, an even chance to occur. So if you go in with no expectations, then you won't be upset when when the uh, the cards, so to speak, don't fall in the way that that you would like, because I think that can happen uh, to anyone, um, regardless of skill level. Of course, you shouldn't blame mistakes or misplays on luck and variance, but you also shouldn't hold yourself accountable uh, or be unkind to yourself on your performance when you had no agency over the outcome as well so there's a balance there and 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 not having a not having an expected outcome can can help with that um really easy for me to say uh generally difficult for me to do but uh i seem to be more successful when i'm in that state of mind as opposed to the oh my god i need to accomplish you know x yeah. so for for example um my goal for infinite conquest every month is i want to go through one infinite conquest a month 
right? That's my goal. And, and play seriously, not just like, you know, doing the math, trying to figure out the proper lines, etc. That's to do that once a month. Um, if I get the portrait, awesome. If I don't, well, I, I did my best, but you know, at least I tried that. That's the goal. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's difficult to set realistic goals for oneself. Um, I remember someone said this about streaming. It might have been uh, Martian Boo or Corbett. I can't recall. Um, but, you know, when you set goals for your streams, like, you know, you want to have X amount of follows by date Y, you have no control over that, you know, so your goal should be in line with things that you do have control over. Like, I'm going to stream to a set schedule or, yeah. you know, I'm good going advice. to I'm going to create X video. That is good advice for most things in life, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, things that you don't have control over that you feel uh, either expected or entitled to. You know, it makes that letdown even more difficult. Again, you know, very easy to say, very difficult to live by. But that that's kind of been my 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 mindset with Snap and gaming in general over the last couple of months. Uh, uh, for those that don't know, uh, I can tend to get a little angry when I play games. Um, but, you know, going in with this mindset has really helped with that. Um, at least I'd like to think so. Um, you, you tell me, zombies. We you co-op a lot over the years, so you you know. Have you have you seen any? Oh, I'd say you've had a lot progress. of improvement with that, especially since the Hearthstone days. <laughs> yeah, I remember the Hearthstone days, and uh, I've been there too, uh, and I still am there sometimes with Snap. But yeah, I think it, it doing what you can to uh, have a more positive mindset uh, not only will make you have a better time, but I also think makes you a better player. Like, yeah. Uh, it's a real skill to be able to kind of keep those emotions in check or learn from something when something doesn't go your way and also learn to recognize the difference between when this is like a big one for infinity conquest winning five in a row is hard uh you see the twitter posts and it makes it like i think makes it feel like it's such a given or uh people think it's like easier than it is but it's a a lot of people work really hard just to get that one border and like yeah you, people should enjoy that accomplishment and uh you know it's uh it's a tricky thing um but I, I really like that you you post not only your successful runs but also you talk about your unsuccessful runs on on your social media as well um and and i i i applaud that because it does offer more of a balanced perspective but i also know that the 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 engagement factor is always lower on on those types of posts but yeah it's generally I, I, true but it's but, it's yeah. nice to show people it, it it's like yeah when when people only see the times you win you know what it's like it's like when somebody is uh you know they're betting on a stock or their sports betting or whatever they always talk about the times they win right yeah but they don't talk about the times they don't so it it paints this picture of oh wow this person's really successful or this person's really good at what they're doing but it's like you don't know that could have been their one success compared to like four failures for that month but you just didn't hear about it so you don't know that's why yeah. i hate linkedin so much like everyone's rich and happy and successful on linkedin and it's like no no that's <laughs> not the real world just like you know uh the the reality is that people that have a lot of portraits like you do zombies um or or like revis the portrait king um yeah revis you know, and lambie have tons like they yeah like I feel like I have a lot. I think I have like but they fourteen they, or fifteen. But they they, they probably will play more. Will do more infinite conquest runs in a month than I'll do in my entire life. 
<laughs> so, yeah, that's also so, fair. Yeah, you know, so I think that that's an important thing to to keep in mind as well. That it, yeah, good play is important, but it's it's a grind, right? And you need to you need to you need to go through that grind because you know for every for every portrait that someone obtains, five people did not. Um, and uh, you know that's a that's a spread. And uh, I think that it's even it's, more than five people, right? Because like you people like there's always a loser in each game right right um, yeah, but people don't yeah. make it to most people aren't even making it to five yeah right so it's like it's it's minimum all, yeah and the the other big thing is like while you shouldn't discount like luck and whatnot anyone who says there isn't a real amount of luck involved with like over the broader like uh number of games there is luck involved specifically with matchmaking because there isn't yeah. any parameters for matchmaking in Infinity Conquest compared to the lower tiers where it does seem to use MMR, collection level, other factors to matchmake you. Somehow, I always run into a handful of Pool 2 players in Infinity Conquest. And I mean, I guess that's probably a good thing for the game because they're getting new players uh, playing the game because no one's willingly playing a Pool 2 only deck when they're, you know, have access to other cards. But it's also like you can win with a deck that might not be very good if you happen to queue into a bunch of really not good decks or players. And I think that's like, that's not to devalue the experience. It's just to say that uh, not all wins are created equal in Infinity Conquest. So don't stress about it. Too my much. portrait my portrait this month falls into that category i mean i think it was game three where i basically like made a misplay and 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 put a a, a generated sentry uh void into a lane that i decided i wanted to actually compete in and forgot oh, no. that a void was going there because it was behind a dark dimension like that that kind of mistake should have ended my run but like because the the person i was playing against was you know maybe a newer opponent or or maybe you know someone new to conquest um they didn't capitalize on it and i was able to brush it off like nothing but like i mean it yeah you can you can get really tough opponents like back to back to back and it's exhausting and sometimes it's like you get pool two gamers uh front to back and you know, it, it's just it's there's so much variance in Infinity Conquest. So if you're if you're frustrated that you haven't gotten a portrait yet, um, the only advice that I could really offer is to keep keep getting Infinity tickets and keep going through that that gauntlet, and eventually you'll come through the other side with the with the prize. And it's a pretty sweet prize. I like my Infinity borders. They're yeah, me too. They're shiny. They're fun. Yeah, it's nice. It's a nice little uh, accomplishment thing. And they're not going to sell them. There is a question someone is asking. <laughs> I think someone had too many, you know, losses and was getting frustrated and was just like, I'm over this. I just want to <laughs> buy it. And they were like, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Um, that's good to know. Uh, I mean, I, I assume that would be the case, but it's it's reassuring to you hear. You never know in mobile yeah. gaming, right? <laughs> you never know. Um, well, that takes us to the bottom of our agenda. Plus, we had a little bit of a segue at the end, too. Um, we seem to be unexpectedly ahead of schedule. Was there any other topics that you guys wanted to ta- touch upon before we wrap? Um, not too much off the top of my head. I've, I've just been... Uh, it's It's nice to see that we have gotten to a point where things feel a bit more varied again and it doesn't feel like there's just one deck dominating the whole game 
Yeah. I feel like we went through a lot of that the last few months and they have told us like, Hey, yeah, you know, we're working on it. <laughs> they, they, I think they kind of know that things weren't exactly uh, optimal for the last few seasons. And I guess we're starting to see a little bit of that extended testing make its way through, right? Specifically with Black Swan, where someone asked about why they went with 3-5 over 2-3. And they were like, yeah, well, you know, when we were testing it, 2-3 just felt like it wasn't being impactful enough. So it's it's nice to see that happen before the card releases rather than like it's nice they're willing to change cards after, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. obviously the the goal is to get it right on the first try, so it doesn't need a nerf or a buff at all, right? Agreed. Easier said than done, but uh, it's nice when they can hit that mark. And uh, I think that at least with the stuff we've seen in the current season, I feel like a lot of the cards are kind of looking like that. Like I feel like they're. I mean, it's hard to evaluate cards. They could be better. They could be worse. Who knows? But uh. They look fun nonetheless. Like, like, yeah, it looks exciting without like I'm not looking at any of the stuff here and like kind of dreading it a bit because it looks so overpowered. It, it just looks like, yeah, these are fun cards that I can imagine probably will see play. And it's really all you want out of a card game, right? Is you just want to be able oh, to interact with the cards. I have one thing. One thing mm-hmm. let's that let's finish up with. Uh new albums. They released Oh yeah, we should talk about that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, so they showed them in the trailer. Uh, and so albums are interesting. When they released, there was a whole ton of controversy surrounding them. People were upset uh, that... And this was such a easily... like This is such a thing that they could have like done a few small different things and could have completely uh, changed the perception around it. Uh, but they didn't, and now they're learning from it and hopefully going to improve it. So the issue was they showed off emotes and people were excited about emotes. Uh, and then people couldn't get the emotes without having to buy a bunch of variants, some of which they probably didn't want. And that felt pretty bad. And understandably, when people see a thing advertised in like the season trailer and then feel like they can't interact with that new feature, it's kind of one of those like, hey, this isn't really for me. Um, and that feels bad kind of moments. And so they heard feedback about albums. Supposedly, albums have actually been very successful from what I've heard. Um, and uh, I mean, you kind of want that to succeed because it's monetizing the game through cosmetics. And uh, one can hope that that helps keep prices down, whether that's lowering them in the future or making it so they don't have to go up. Uh, yeah. You, you want to see them succeed in monetizing cosmetics. And, uh, but they admitted like, yeah, we could have done some things to make them more positively received. And so this is their first step in doing that. Last month, we got one album for the month. This month uh, we're getting four albums, one a week. And you might notice two of them are pixel albums. And I think this is a great thing uh, because it is going to a million pixels. (laughs) Everyone has a lot of pixels or a lot of people have a lot of pixels. And while I don't anticipate players are going to uh, go out of their way to necessarily finish all these, unless you really like the emotes, I'm excited for it because I own a bunch of destroy and discard pixels. So I'm going to get some free rewards for stuff that otherwise was just collecting dust in my collection. And that's right. nice. You know, you get a, a some tokens or a spotlight key or another variant or whatever. And hey, anything helps. Free is for me. Um, we also have a confirmation that one of these albums is going to be under 12 things to complete. I imagine it's going to be the low cost, high impact one because lower cost, smaller album. It's just my guess. Um so we get some new emotes with that. And then art germ is going to be the shop takeover of the month. So there are going to be some new art germs that 
are probably going to be in the album to complete gonna, that one. They're going to cost twenty four hundred. <laughs> oh god don't give them ideas um i'm not really big on the emotes personally i don't think they're bad or anything they're just not really for me i like the wolverine one the best so if i happen to have enough destroy pixels for that cool but i they're really hard pressed to ever come up with a better emote than that cosmo emote for me yeah that, that's uh, so i got the the cosmo avatar now with the cosmo card back with the the keep it cosmo emote um mm -hmm. and uh you're all cosmo uh, out that's yeah, perfect cosmo out now yeah i was pretty happy with uh with that portrait yeah none of these emotes seem worth chasing although that's good because then that fomo you know Mm -hmm. I, I won't feel compelled to like pick up variants I don't want for something that uh, seems like you know truly is a nice extra. So I I'm cool with it. Um, although funny enough, I have all three of the the variants uh, for the um, album uh, for Pixel Discard Destroy and Low Cost High Impact. So maybe maybe I will have a couple. Uh, maybe I'll get some of the, the the middle middle of the road prizes, which would be kind of neat tokens or credits or avatars or whatever so yeah we'll it see. all helps right yeah anything yeah. anything helps and i think making more accessible albums is a great way to go it's i don't think anyone had a complaint the fact that you know they were locking some stuff behind people buying stuff like that's fine they have to make money but i think the big issue was it felt like there was only one small group of things to interact with and not things for you know other players just casually earn over time, especially with how many of the albums have like 1200 gold ones with these pixel ones. Even if you don't ever buy a pixel, you're getting those randomly over time. Um, yeah. So that, I think that helps a lot. And also I imagine it's not coming soon, but they did also talk about having parent albums, which I think was the biggest misfire on release um, was not at least like entertaining the idea of doing that, which is, Hey, we can have a big album for all the Dan hips or all the other, the variants that have a whole lot of them. And you can that way. Cause one of the biggest complaints, right. Was, Hey, I have like 80 Dan hips and I have like five of these album ones. It's like, what the heck? <laughs> like, why, why do I have so few when I own so many hips? And that was frustrating to people. So I think having a larger plus just from a collecting aspect, you know, if you're trying to reward people for collecting, don't you want to reward the people who've gone out of their way to get every single thing or mm -hmm. and if nothing else you're enticing some more people to do that who maybe otherwise wouldn't have so it seems like a an easy win and i don't imagine it's going to come soon because thinking about that that is actually like a lot of work given how many variants for some of these cards there are for like dan hips specifically there are a ton of dan hips uh so i imagine a parent album would be really big and then you have the issue of you have to constantly update it right uh because they're going to be releasing new ones so i think it's a challenging project i don't expect to see it happen very quickly but uh it does sound like it's something they want to do so i hope it's something they do because that i think would also help with the uh one of the big complaints about albums which is hey i own a lot of the stuff but i just don't happen to own these specific ones and maybe i don't really want them and it feels kind of bad mm -hmm. yep yep well, we can expect to see those land on uh, Tuesday with the with the new patch. So it'll be interesting to see what's included there. So good call on on bringing that up, Nate. Oh yeah, thanks. Yeah. So you know that takes us to 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 the bottom of the show. I want to thank everyone that uh, came in from the Lambie raid and then the zombies raid to watch the podcast live. Yeah. Thank you so fun. much. 
It's always yeah, it fun doing fun. it live. Um, and uh, for those that are listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, uh, thank you as well. Uh, much appreciated. Um, we love to share our opinions and thoughts on the game with you. And uh, yeah, looking forward to the new season. Regrouping in two weeks' time and hearing how, how those initial games have been um, with you know uh, a new shifting meta uh so until then uh yeah uh, be kind to everyone out there uh and keep it cosmo we'll see you in two weeks keep it cosmo keep it cosmo enough said bub